0: in the world of hollywood movies get greenlit and redlit they get remade and rebooted but we are the ideal i'm sam gash and you are listening to ideal remake Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. And today, this remake is too important to be left to Hollywood. It has neither the time, the training, nor the inclination for strategic thought. We're remaking Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb with returning guest Dylan McGran wells So, Dylan, is Romeo Michelle- not Romeo and Michelle, is <laughs> Dr. Strangelove a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? I, do, I go through so much effort to make, make sure, because I'm like, because... Those two movies are always getting confused, so I get it. <laughs> so, is Dr. Strangelove a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? Yes. Weirdly
1: enough, it is back to be... It's weird because it's like a huge pendulum of, like, Cold War stuff, where you think, like, Cold War nuclear proliferation is the least of our problems right now but unfortunately it is still back to being relevant and i'm sure we'll get into that it's one of those movies you don't want it yeah. to be relevant all the time but it's like uh it is relevant again
0: yeah uh i was talking about remaking this that i was gonna be remaking this movie with some friends and they're like oh man i wonder if that movie holds up and i was like no no it holds up too well well that's it's funny because
1: it kind of flipped on what holds up about it because before i think in the 60s like through the entire cold war the thing that held up about it was like how close we were to nuclear annihilation and then the tiny little part of the general going crazy is like the part Mm -hmm. that is like the funny thing but the weird part whereas now it's like there's obviously a lot of place guards in it and we're not really that afraid of nuclear war anymore as shown from last year when we almost got into nuclear war a few times but I think the idea of like one person going insane uh in our structure of power is still really, really relevant, especially now.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things where the comedy became real cause I don't like it. It's one of the reasons why a few a couple years ago I sat down to watch Viva Vendetta with a friend of mine and we were like, uh oh. Oh no. <laughs> The, the part where they're saying the la- the the quiet part loud is the same thing that's happening now, where people are saying the quiet part loud.
1: Yeah, but I think this movie holds up even better than uh, movies like 1984 or, v- or books sure. like 1984 or Viva for Vendetta because, like in those like movies and books and stuff, it's always about like this overpowering government that's faceless and is just ruthless and cold and calculating, controls everything, and I think as these past, like, as the past, like, you know, four years has kind of shown, it's a lot of crazy people running it. Yeah. And it's not these things before we thought were like, you know, oh, it's the president of the United States or, oh, it's Congress or it's our military. We realize, like, they're still people and that's really scary.
0: Yeah. And especially, like, after January 6th where it's like, hey, here's the Congress people that are also QAnon people. And, like, the the thing is that, like, Brigadier General Jack D. Ripper. It's basically a QAnon dude.
1: Yeah, uh, because I was thinking about when I was cast, thinking of the casting and everything. Um, hold on, I'm going to look up the dude's name just so I don't get it wrong. But the new Secretary of Defense, the uh, Air Force dude. The Raytheon guy? Did a speech about how they're going to try to... No, he... Uh, Lloyd J. Austin. Okay. The third. And he, he's this very inspiring um, Air Force pilot that it's... A, he's the first... I think he's the first Black Secretary of Defense, if not. Can't cut that out. But he gave <laughs> this speech about how he was going to try to get rid of QAnon and white supremacy in the ranks. And then they did a report, and it, he kind of had to do another speech afterwards where it's like, there's a lot. This is going to be a lot harder than we thought. Yeah. And there's a lot. And I remember when, after um, January 6th, they went through the National Guard trying to find all the Q people, and they were actually having to kick people out, where it's like, yeah, Q is a lot more powerful than you think, or not powerful, but like prevalent. a lot more people listen to it. Prevalent, yeah, yeah. Not powerful. Um, have you been watching the Q documentary on HBO? Oh
0: no, I can't do that to myself. I'll, I'll, it, I'll be so mad.
1: It's one of the better things to do, I think, because or how they did it, which is basically we're going to just spell out what Q believes, and we're going to show like this is who we think Q is, just to show how ridiculous it is. But I think it does give people this crazy notion that it's like, yeah, I'm part of this whole underground conspiracy. I'm part of the V for Vendetta. Yeah. Like, fighting it. And it's like, no, 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 no. There's not a huge conspiracy thing. This is just, like, the world is barely held together by duct tape. So yeah. you don't have to worry
0: about it. Well, speaking of figures hidden within the internet uh, who live shrouded in mystery, Dylan, you have a podcast. Yes, I do. <laughs> um, tell us, tell us a little I, bit about your podcast and about yourself, since you are a returning guest, but you haven't been uh, on Ideal Remake for a couple of years since we did uh, Groundhog Day, not Groundhog's oh, yeah. Day, uh, yes, two years ago. That's what
1: we spent thirty minutes arguing about. Yeah, yeah,
0: and you were you were <laughs> right, and I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, I
1: produce uh, the podcast, the To Read List, where it's a weirdly incestuous podcast of my wife my best friend and her brother and i i don't i mean sam you've been to our house you've seen how many books there are in it yes but the thing is my wife has read like 10 percent of it hopefully it's grown more but she's making a she made a deal that in order to get through them all she was going to make a podcast and we're going to randomly select books off her shelf so i like have a number generator and each one has a number and whatever i choose she has to read So they do two book reviews of, like, really sporadically different books. We did, like, Kazuo Ishiguro, like, you know, (laughs) The Very Giant, which is, like, this huge, like, fat book with, like, uh, My Best Friend's Exorcism. (laughs) Oh, actually, it was right here, like, an 80s, like, thing. So we do, like, a really big variety of books. I'm on it. I've been on it sporadically a lot more because I will come in for, like, dad puns in the background, but it's also really hard, as you know, recording and talking at the same time.
0: Yes. And, like, being the person in front of, like, a sound mixer, which I do not own. Yeah. That, I mean, like, prior to the pandemic, like, my 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 ideal way to record this is a bunch of people sat around a table with a, just a, an omnidirectional mic just capturing the conversation. Like, that's the best way to do this.
1: Oh, my God. We used to do it because... Her brother, Andrew, is in New York. So this is a bi-coastal podcast. Yeah. We used to record on Audacity and have four different sound files. I tried to sync up every single time. Mm-mm. And after a while, we realized we're insane people. <laughs> and I have a film background and I have a very, very like basic hands-on stuff on a lot of things. So it's like, I know how to kind of record field sounds. So we're just going to do that. We're going to treat it like it's a film shoot.
0: Yeah, good. And so I've listened to every single episode of your podcast. I love it. You guys are a lot of fun. And I'm not... Man, I haven't been a reader in so long. Just because I... I, My attention span is basically five-minute YouTube videos. Fair. But it it's great. I love it. It's super great. My just it's super great if anyone's a fan of reading or just hearing about book reviews and kind of knowing what's in the pop culture or just like in the terms of, of the literary world i think it's really good for that uh, my only note is when describing it when you're describing a, a podcast featuring your wife and her brother i would not use the word incestuous but that's just me true true <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a good catch And especially the movie we're going to be talking about today, word choice is going to be very important. Oh, man. Um, Yeah. And also, if you want, it's weird because it kind of does connect to the casting thing. Because we used to do, like, who would play this person in a movie kind of thing. But then slowly, for some reason, we've been on a hot streak of, like, every book we've been reading. And maybe this is just because Amazon and Netflix are buying everything. Yeah. But it's, like, slowly, like, the next week you'll see on Dateline, like, oh, they're turning this young adult series into another TV show. It's like, well, there you go. Like, I think that My Best Friend's Exorcism is going to be a movie at some point.
0: Well, it helps when most of the bookies, bookies, most of the books that get purchased uh, and, then, uh, and then left to the side and not read are books that are, like, on, like, the top 10 recommended books to read. Yeah. And then Bailey buys it and then leaves it in a pile. Of course, it's in a list of yeah. top 10 books to read. Other people are looking at those lists and going, we should own that. And the thing is that
1: I don't... I'm glad that I'm not on the podcast because my book choices are very dad and boringish. <laughs> because like I read like a lot of like nonfiction historically stuff about the Cold War. Um, <laughs> oh man, good choice of but like good choice of movie. Then. I I read either really boring books or really like simple books. Because I'm a reader, but not as advanced as they, because they always like weirdly throw themselves under the bus of like, oh, I barely read. It's like, you guys are reading like 300 page books in a week all the time. Yeah,
0: that that life sounds b- like I do a lot of research for uh, this show and their life sounds bad. Like I wouldn't be able to like reading's supposed to be fun and th- it, it's homework now. Oh,
1: yeah. No, so, it's not fun for them. Yeah. Don't worry. I make sure it's suffering for them. I mean,
0: it's a good thing that they, all three of them are the sort of people who liked homework when they were in school.
1: Yes. And also come to the podcast for the games, because we play a game at the end of it. The games
0: are fun. The games are the are the part that I wish I could participate in. So did did you... Because when we were choosing movies to talk about, uh, you sent me a list. But did you end up deciding on Dr. Strangelove just because of your love of Cold War era stories?
1: Yes, and also because I think in recasting stuff, this is a really interesting movie because of it had a bunch of serious actors in it doing over like really crazy performances, and I mean, I, it was funny because I had to think about it for a second where it's like, is it still relevant? And then like wh- the QAnon thing, it's like, oh yeah, wait, no, it is.
0: It's um, it's a QAnon general and a just a. Uh, like a GOP appointee general who's like, yeah, more guns. And- yeah, exactly. And I think
1: having it be, it's funny because in my mind, it, it's one of those weird things where it still feels like it's 2020. Like it's so weird that a quarter of 2021 is already gone.
0: I don't like to think but- about it. I don't like to think about it.
1: Yeah. But the thing is, is that if Trump was still president, this movie would probably be a little, be a little bit trickier because yeah. I think a huge crux of this movie is a lot of people trying to be normal and the insanity of it being normal. Whereas, like, no, this would, if Trump was still president, this movie would be over in like 15 minutes. Yeah. Like, nobody would be really trying to stop it. Right. That's the thing. But I think, I think this, and when the movie came out, this movie came out in 63, uh, like, it was kind of the thing where everyone, like, we just got over, like, the Cuba crisis and everything, and like, mm-hmm. okay, we're all calm now, right? And this is won't happen again, right? So then, when this movie came out, it kind of shows that, like, no, even if people like everyone else in the chain of command are silly and crazy, but they're not like homicidal, except for one guy. <laughs> yeah, um and I think that is kind of a position we're in now, where we're all like kind of having a collective like. Oh, few.
0: We didn't die the last four years, and then um, and then we're looking at it like, oh, wait, we still could really die every day, all the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's a fun movie. Uh, do you happen to remember the first time you saw this movie? Yeah, I think I
1: saw it the first time I saw it because when I um when I first like wanted to become like a filmmakery thing, my parents were actually like super supportive, like almost to a fault because they are huge movie buffs too so they kind of like let me choose anything from the afi top 100 and i remember this one actually the title kept like turning me off to it it's like oh that must be a weird movie or something from the 60s Uh, (laughs) But i remember seeing them like middle school or high school because i remember wanting to do and we'll talk about it more but the telephone monologue for drama class i really wanted to do that Ooh, good i like it but yeah, I remember seeing it as a kid. And then in film school, we all, of course, we all like saw it. I think we saw it for a production design class or something. In film school, a weird thing is you see a lot of movies, but you see like a third of a movie, a lot of famous movies. So it's like a lot of times I'll think like, I've seen parts of that movie. Mm-hmm. So, I'm glad I, so I'm glad I already loved Dr. Strange Love going in. And then uh, I just watched it yesterday, two days ago with Bailey. And it's funny because I was talking to Bailey about it, uh, my wife um and she said she hated this movie when she first saw it in college and she said it's like yeah it was just really boring but it was also hot and like i just like it was just a bunch of dudes talking and she loved it this time and i was trying to explain like it's because the movie starts off really dry like of them talking about planes a lot yeah and it does start a lot sillier than i remember it but like if you weren't paying attention and we can talk about how this movie is kind of a weird remake. It seems very, like, by the books. Like, this is a nuclear war movie. And then how it slowly gets a little bit weirder. Because the people with the funny accents don't come in until, like, halfway through.
0: Yeah, and even that. I mean, it's basically an entire feature-length movie with three sets. Like, they're in yeah. three locations. And they don't and the movie's leave. 90 minutes long. Yeah,
1: Usually when you talk about, like, you know, it's like, oh, this is a Stone Cold classic. But it also, heads up, it's three and a half hours long.
0: Right. And, and and that's part of the of the impetus of the movie too, because literally it's like, all right, we will be reaching our target in ninety minutes, and you're like, yeah, oh, all and right. And I think
1: it if we spent longer with these characters and had to get to get like you know their wants and drives and like you know their per- full lives, like it might you'd be hard because a lot of these characters are so ridiculous in the moment that they're funny in small doses. So that's
0: true, and it also makes even the times when they're just like sitting there just wasting time with small talk you're super conscious of it because you're like no this is real time this is happening what are you guys doing yeah and it's and like the dumb small talk that you'd normally cut out of every script is important because it's it it's literally wasting time against nuclear annihilation
1: yeah exactly and it does such a good job of like the wheel very few scripts like you know I think it opens with them making, with Ripper starting the objective R or whatever. Yeah. Basically, like, the movie starts with them screwing up. Like, we're already in the middle, from the end of credits to the end of the other credits. It's all this one mission that's happening.
0: I mean, I wouldn't say screwing up as a, as opposed to, like, making a... Murder. Yeah, yeah. Doing a... A little kerfuffle. Do, doing a, a big O murder. <laughs> Of, um, uh, what is it? What's the term? Uh, An entire people. Slash country. Yeah. As as one does.
1: To be fair, they didn't say it's only going to be like 8 to 10 million tops.
0: No, no. That was their best case projection. Yeah. And, oh man. This movie's so weird. (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) So, I first saw this movie, it has to, like, I feel like the first time I saw this movie was in the last 10 years. It's come up... within the last few episodes i think but like this was one of those first movies that i grabbed off of like netflix when they were still doing the dvds like i moved to la and i didn't know anybody so i just start i signed up for netflix and i just started getting a bunch of dvds of movies i'd heard of but never seen so you know goonies dr strange love the second transformers movies you know the big ones the classics absolutely and this was one of those movies, and it's one of those things that I'm very glad I saw at the time, because it's just so relevant, and it's come up so much in terms of other conversations about popular culture, and also just, like, learning about how crazy Stanley Kubrick is. It's like, no, the carpet had to be- the table had to be green! It's like, come on, man. Don't be that way. Yeah. Don't be that guy. Here,
1: Here's the thing. I- like, if another film school person asks me, I will totally say, like, oh, yeah, no, Stanley Cooper, he's a genius. He's, like, brilliant at everything. I, I mean, I, a lot of Stanley Cooper movies, I, it's not that, like, you know, I, I can give or take. They're, they are brilliant in terms of cinematography and production design. But there's a lot of times where, like, the story isn't cohesive, if that makes it's, <laughs> if There's very few times where it's, like, oh, these characters that, like, he clearly loves. Whereas this is, I think, one of the few movies that is fun. And it's a ride and everything. Because, yeah. like, I I think recently a lot of people have been talking crap about The Shining. And I'm not, like, 100% glad that it's happening. But also The Shining's not as 100% scary as you remember it.
0: Right. I
1: mean... Because uh, there's famous scenes in it. And it's great. But there's a lot of, like, stuff where it's very moody and...
0: And it's also hard for something to be scary when... Because, like, scary relies on surprise. And when everyone knows all the scenes, they're just not scary anymore.
1: Yeah, and I think a huge part of this movie is, like you were saying, like he is super specific and super particular, except in this one movie case where Peter Sellers, George C. Scott, and I i think a lot of people were allowed to improvise on this movie, which is yeah. insane, like on a, on a Stanley Kubrick movie, and it shows. It's weird to watch like Stanley Kubrick, but directing... Judd Apatow style right of like
0: multiple cameras going well I, I remember hearing a conversation one time talking about Stanley Kubrick and it was about how he wanted to make the best movie in every genre because in addition to being very very smart and a genius he was also an incredible egomaniac oh yeah 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 uh absolute monster um but th- like well if it's a comedy we gotta have funny people doing funny things
1: yeah except the sc- well I think also him he didn't uh, he wrote it but I think him, one, basing it off of another book. So this kind of works with, like, you know how Airplane is, the movie Airplane is based off of ooh, Zero Hour? Yeah.
0: Which and it's like might a, come a, up later a, in the season, depending if I am able to coordinate that.
1: And so I, I, I've never seen Red Alert, which is kind of weird because I've seen, like, a, a lot of Cindy LeMay movies. Okay. But I saw the new one with George Clooney, and I read some of Red Alert. And The Red Alert is this movie. Like, this, this was based off of a very serious book about, like, how the world could end in two hours. And Stanley Kubrick tried making it a serious movie. And then he was like, this is kind of ridiculous. Let's make it a comedy. And so he brought in Terry Southern, who has, like, one of the coolest careers you've ever seen of being coming a novelist. Then, like, writing some of the weirdest movies. I, mean, I was about to say best. It's like, he doesn't write Stone Cold classics. He wrote this. <laughs> but then he just ended his career writing for Saturday Night Live.
0: Awesome. Yeah. That Instead instead of using it when everyone else uses it, which is a launching point, he used it as a crash site. And I love that. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean, like, he wrote, he wrote, like, Easy Rider and, like, The Cincinnati Kid and a bunch of stuff. Because, like, he was just really just off-the-cuff funny.
0: I love it. That's amazing. Uh, so, I guess if we're going to be talking about Dr. Love, I think we need to start with... If it's a movie that most people have seen, I don't like going through and hitting beat by beat. But like, what are the parts of this movie that that you really like? That are like the pieces of this movie that you want to make sure we hold on to.
1: The pieces that I think we need to hold on to are um, the president and the general trying to stop it from happening, and like they're 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 talking about the plans and like the backup plans. That sounds silly, but it's like this is kind of this is what we thought we were going to do like when he talks about like you know yeah i know that we said only you could launch the bomb but here's a bunch of other things that didn't happen
0: yeah remember when we set up this thing just in case uh in case you died
1: yeah and it's funny because i also i I mean i really love ripper i will talk about him but his whole fluoride thing now seems cute (laughs) it's like oh man i wish people talked about fluoride and that's it but (laughs) i I
0: mean a yeah it seems cute and b have you seen godzilla vs kong yet No, although I am going to bring up Godzilla vs. Kong in a second. Cool, because they literally have a character in the movie who who talks about the fluoride in the water. Well, and and They literally... There's a crazy dude who, like, refers to, like... Do you drink tap water? Yeah, and he just refers to him as tap water the rest of the movie. This is still a thing.
1: The the fluoride thing was, at the time, that was their Q conspiracy theory, because... If you want to get super, super political, at the time, this conservative society called the John Birch Society, founded by the Koch's father.
0: Great. Uh, Wonderful. So glad they have money.
1: that the fluoride people were kind of like the Dr. Fauci in their day and the fact that it was a communist plot. And no one believed him at the time. But Stanley Kubrick read about this and thought like, hey, that's insane. Mm-hmm. But, but people in the John Birch Society, which was like a lot of senators at the time, believed it. So he kind of took that idea. So I think, oh no, where are we going to find conspiracy theories in today's world?
0: Yeah. I mean, plus the whole thing of, um, uh, like, he he has this whole line at the end when everything's like kind of slowly falling apart. He's like, I realized that they were after our liquids when I was, like, having sex and this woman took my essence. And, like, there's literally groups now, like, I don't know if this is, like, I don't know if it's the Proud Boys or other groups like it, but literally it's, like, well, you can't have sex, or yeah. you, t- sperm is holy. It's only to make babies. And, like, throughout his, like, throughout, like, there's another podcast I listen to called The Dollop, which is all about crazy cults and lunatics. Yeah. And, actually, I actually have a dollop shirt somewhere. Do you actually? That's amazing. Uh, and it's like, oh, God, he's a, he's a crazy dude who thinks it's okay to be with women, but not to, like, finish sex.
1: Oh, yeah, no. And I think that part's going to need some tweaking. And I think... Why? Um,
0: People still believe that now.
1: No, no, no. Tweaking in terms of, like... I think one thing is that Mandrake doesn't know what's happening. And I think in this case, we as a society wouldn't be blindsided by that if somebody was talking like that.
0: Oh, okay. So you're talking about changing the dude who's with him, not the dude himself. Because the dude himself was yeah, so... Yeah, so Mandrake. Was dangerously oh, yeah, yeah. no, no. rude.
1: And it's funny, too, because... Um, oh, my God. Why am I blanking on his name? Uh... Dude, that plays Ripper. While I look up while I look this up on it. Oh my god, he's famous in other movies too, because he was in like The Killers and stuff. Sterling Hayden. Sterling Hayden was a communist. Was he he actually? He was part of the Communist Party and he had to show up to um, the HUAC commissions and he gave people up and he felt so guilty about it afterwards when he did this movie. Because he wanted to show like how crazy the people were that were trying to prosecute him.
0: Wow yeah that's called acting it is but also don't give people up well
1: yeah i mean at the time though i can't i i agree don't give people up i think it's more like don't give people up and then make um movies about it about how you are right Ilya kazan yeah. i think it's more like it, when people were kind of forced to do it it's like not a case-by-case basis but it's just
0: ugh. yeah it's a no it's gross now it's a no-win situation but also don't be that guy
1: Yeah, don't be that guy. It's a good thing to, like, kind of see it now. And I'm glad that, like, he realized how terrible it was. Yeah.
0: I'm glad he made a movie about it instead of, like, making it up to the families of the people he turned in. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I agree. The thing is is that, like, other than bringing it forward 60 years, there's not much in this I would change. We talked a little bit ahead of time about changing uh the country. And yes. And i said we probably don't need to change the country because we could do the yes. exact same story with Russia, but we decided to not do that.
1: Yeah, and I think that that is actually something we to have to change because I had to brush off on my nuclear triad reading. Yeah. <laughs> um because after this movie came out, they made really sure this could not happen in real life that like all the fail states are in there. So I literally spent like a lot of time trying to my Google I'm probably on a list somewhere at the NSA about, like, how would a nuclear war happen? So, right now, we don't... We still have B-52s. Sure. And they will be around for another 50 years, but they don't really use them for nukes anymore. They use B-2 bombers, which are two guys in a plane, and that's not as fun.
0: I Um, mean, what they would actually do, and what's not fun at all, is they just load it into a drone.
1: Yeah. The way this could work. First off, uh, do you want to reveal the country we chose?
0: Uh, Go for it.
1: We chose North Korea because technically this could be the closest we could have to nuclear war although they still haven't perfected it yet but it's still you know running by a a crazy person yeah i mean Um, the the
0: honest actual more likely scenario is either russia or china but
1: but russia and china right now don't have they they know (laughs) they found out that it's like oh yeah we don't need nukes to like wreck america we can use a bunch of other things before right. that and they don't care so you need to find right. like but a rem- country but remember
0: it's not them using nukes to wreck us it's us using nukes to wreck them because we're oh, yeah. racist pieces of shit
1: oh yeah and the... right now nuclear weapons are only used against north korea as kind of like a deterrent right because that... if we're like china china and russia we'll say it's like we'll sanction you we'll send more hackers against you we, there's like a long list of stuff where it's like North Korea, we're already doing that. Right, right, like, right. But, this is but, the last thing we got.
0: But that's what I'm saying. Like, in terms of like the, like, that's kind of like long term, like, war of attrition kind of stuff. Like, in terms of like yeah. some crazy racist, like, QAnon conspiracies, like, oh, the country that's actually going, that's actually slowly trying to take us over is likely going to be Russia or China. And then <laughs> Q, he
1: figures QAnon out a way. Would probably actually to... QAnon would probably actually help Russia if they heard that was going to happen.
0: You know what? Fair. Or, like, I mean, because that's something else we could do is that this crazy QAnon uses all of, like, the backdoor coding to launch Russia's nukes at no. at North Korea or at China or whatever.
1: Well, for the North Korea thing, I think one interesting thing we do every year is we do have, like, uh, war games with them. Oh, God. Or war games by them, sorry. And, like, it's just more to remind them of that. like, hey, we still back South Korea Japan, and China backs North Korea, and they watch us do it every year. And it's almost like... I'm sure, I am sure, I'm not a military mind, I'm sure there's reasons for this war game, but it seems like every year it's just for us to poke North Korea with a stick and see what happens. I mean, there's also but the- last year we didn't do
0: it. You can't imagine why. Uh, I mean, yeah. there's also the crazy thing of like, I mean, it's got like half of like having a military the size we do is posturing. I mean yeah. like this like the like the traditional like hey look it's a dictatorship is them having a parade with giant bombs going down the street like that's the political cartoon representation of a dictatorship yeah so um which is North Korea which is yeah. why we picked it but it's like in terms of like in terms of actual dictatorships theoretically i could even i I'm only realizing this now. Theoretically, if we'd set this movie not happening in the United States but happening in North Korea, that when I may, might have made more sense of like this tiny little country all of a sudden turning on the world because of someone there who's like, who really drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah. But, but, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, if this happened during a war games or something when all this stuff is there and they didn't know that like, no, this is really happening. Yeah. And technically, we do launch nukes from um, submarines now. That's, uh, yeah, a huge part of it. So, true. one of my pitches was to switch it for, instead of from a B fifty two to an Ohio class submarine. So that way you get because I think a huge part of it is having the crew that you're cheering on for I like in that. the middle of in the middle of these Korean War games and changing Ripper to be instead of a base in America to have him be in South Korea or Japan because those are the people that are directly impacted by it and have a little more control. Because like again, if you're in Seoul and you you're entire country might be destroyed in 20
0: minutes they're giving a little more like i I think but i feel like that makes it too real part of what makes ripper in like is this is what one crazy person who gets too much (gasps) power can do and i don't think it should be real like this is literally a crazy person i don't want him in south korea Uh, i want him here in arizona or texas or whatever just being a lunatic Oh, yeah. You can have him wherever. They have internet. Yeah, yeah.
1: But Dr. Strangelove, the crazy thing about it is that all the stuff he... I mean, Kubrick was an expert when it came to, like, all of this. In, oh, yeah. in terms of, the, like, the nuclear war thing. And the stuff he's describing from the jammers to everything that could go wrong is real. Like, mm-hmm. it's funny because the Air Force afterwards... And it, the movie opens up with, like, one of the best disclaimers ever, which is that, one, uh, Warner Brothers or whatever it is, like, is does not it's not pro-war it's not pro-nuclear <laughs> war also the air force is the shortest this couldn't happen except the air force did change a lot of stuff after this movie because it was kind of accurate
0: Yeah. Uh, well the one of the crazy facts that i remember about this movie is that the the inside of, like they were not allowed to film inside yep. the the b-52 bomber and they had to guess and figure out what the inside would look like
1: yeah it's based off of one photo that they found
0: right and then the recreation, of the thing they made, was so scarily accurate that the army and or air force literally didn't know how they did it.
1: Did you ever hear about the um, when Ronald Reagan became president, he asked to see the war room, like the he thought it was like from Doctor Strangelove? Oh yeah, I was like, there's not really a, a war room. Like we have a conference room downstairs that's like secure. Is that what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. And it's funny because like in our mind, because of Doctor Strangelove, we i mean speaking of it being real we have this idea that like if something terrible like this was to happen it would be in like this dark bunker with like huge maps and lights and like very serious men talking around a very serious table Mm -hmm. but like we've seen pictures of what it looked like in the room when bin laden was killed Mm -hmm. and it looks like everyone's crowded and there's not enough seats for everybody and there's one dude on a laptop and that's it yeah like
0: we don't we don't have a big map he can't see the big map (laughs) <laughs> with all the little dots and arrows. <laughs> exactly. What is there to take pictures of with your secret watch?
1: Ooh, now that we're talking about China and North Korea, I think you can combine both of them a little bit by having the ambassador... Oh,
0: crap, that's going to change my thing.
1: Thankfully, I had a backup ready.
0: I mean, um, my, my ambassador is, is Korean.
1: I might change my ambassador to Chinese and then talk about it, but I have I have a Kore- Korean Korean um, person for my I mean ambassador
0: in terms of things that are current and happening right now is there's an incredible rise in anti Asian sentiment and obvi- and yes. like like the the whole stop Asian hate movement is real and it has to exist because. Oh, that's yeah. a thing and it's like the honest truth is that like there's a lot of people who are incredibly racist and are not going to draw a distinction between one that's Asian why culture or another
1: one of my one of the other things i did too i mean uh and when we start jumping to casting i can talk about this too is that instead of and kind of why i wanted to set it in a, a base a u.s military base but a u.s military base in south korea or japan because there's a crap ton of them yeah i mean but there's basically more u.s military bases in japan and korea and south korea than there are korean army bases right but having a korean play mandrake so because like you can tell it was a stretch in the movie where it's like here's the thing peter sellers wants to play a british officer we're gonna have to find a way to wedge a british person in here even though it doesn't make sense that he's there whereas i think you can make a case of having mandrake be part of the country that's about that has a huge stake in this
0: yeah, one of be, the other things we talked about was whether or not we'd get one person to play all three roles. Yes. And we both agreed that that was I mean difficult to cast but also silly because it, yeah. in this case it was just oh hey look at this amazing actor doing these things, but for the purposes well, and apparently of the, the movie,
1: reason why go for it. The the only reason this movie got made was because they got Peter Sellers and he actually took up like half the budget <laughs> because he the the joke is that he paid him for like four roles and he paid, paid he played he paid him for po- four roles and he played three because he was also supposed to be uh king kong or our commander kong the uh the oh the dude Texan.
0: yeah yeah the dude in the
1: plane and he just like he said like nah i'm not gonna do that but um he because after the, for some reason they thought the reason why lolita made money is that everyone loves seeing peter sellers do his bit of being different characters mm-hmm. so we should do that twice as much in this movie yeah so i if it was for like a shock thing i think it can
0: uh, did you think of anybody that could do it? I did, but like, I, but I, but we'll get to that later. But I think it's better that we don't do that. Because yeah, no. that was the reason people saw movies then. And unless you're going to see, like, an Eddie Murphy movie, I just find that distracting.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's not, we're not going to be able to top Norbit, so we shouldn't try.
0: <laughs> sure. So I, within the last month or two, I saw Mars Attacks for the first time. Yeah. And... Oh, man, I'm completely blanking on his name. This is embarrassing. Jack Nicholson. Thank you, Jack Nicholson. (laughs) And Jack Nicholson is, like, the president in that movie. And then he's also this random Las Vegas guy. Yeah. And and it serves no purpose. They're not related. They're not secret brothers. It never comes up. It's just weird. And every single time the Las Vegas guy was on screen, I was like, that's just Jack Nicholson. Why is this important? That's Jack Nicholson. Why is this important? I mean, it's
1: basically stunt casting the movie. It is.
0: Yes. But it was never important and it was just distracting the whole time.
1: Yeah, I think the reason this, it works, it works in Dr. Love because it's the fact that he he's playing Mandrake the president and the person that, he's basically playing all three kinds of side of like one straight man character.
0: Where he's supposed to be like. Uh, is he? He's playing <laughs> two, two versions of the straight man character and then he's playing the crazy guy.
1: He's playing the crazy character that's going to be the same person when this is all over. Because he's the one that's, like, thinking ahead to, like, look, we're going to enter a crazy world. And in that crazy world, Dr. Strangelove's... Because he's the one that wins out in the end of, like, his insane thing. Also, it's an excuse for him to do a crazy voice. I'm not going to really go down this road of how accurate I am.
0: Yeah. The... the uh, So, the crazy thing about a movie called Dr. Strangelove is we don't meet Dr. Strangelove until at least halfway through the movie.
1: Yeah, he does not have a lot of screen time. But he has, like, two ridiculously funny scenes and that's it. <laughs>
0: you can he's definitely the most memorable character in this movie by far oh yeah but also because he's the most he's the most unique character in this movie yeah
1: and i think that's the thing that like it is if they introduced him so early it would be very easy to kind of write this off as like a broad comedy yeah but because by the time we see him we literally met every other character and it's like oh and on top of that
0: by the way yeah here's this guy whose right arm is still a nazi yeah it's oh man i was
1: i was researching it that's a thing what or not that arms are nazis well i mean they could be but uh, that uh apparently there's a medical disease and it's kind of known as dr Strangelove disease although it has a bigger more fancier name sure but there's people that don't have control of their arm like their arm does a separate thing so like it'll be like slamming doors or stuff or doing hail hitlers i
0: Uh (laughs) uh-huh I think uh, that's more common in people who've had the uh, the. <laughs> I, I'm making the gesture but the, have the two hemispheres of their brain separated. So sure. so my my, yeah. my understanding of that disease and the way that comes up uh, is that theoretically your brain uh, is sort of two brains. Like you can live without one of the hemispheres of your brain. Oh yeah, but they, but they coordinate and they and they each serve different functions unless part of it's removed and then one of them does the whole thing. And there's cases of, like, uh, 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 epileptics who've needed to have part of, like, half their brain removed so that they can stop having seizures. And the other part just, like, picks up. So there's just people walking around without half a brain. And there are people who, for whatever reason, like, those two hemispheres are split. And you can put something between them so that one eye doesn't, like, like the, each eye is seeing yeah. separate things. And they won't know what, like, the two brains won't be able to communicate and know what's going on.
1: So if you remove the Nazi part of your brain, that makes sense.
0: D- Basically, yeah. <laughs> but, like, it, it, you could split it up and half your brain could be a Nazi and the other half could not. And they'd never know because they couldn't talk it out. Yeah. It gets a thing.
1: So that's how that's how Peter Sellers qualified for four roles in that.
0: Yes uh he he split it down the middle both ways each <laughs> <Exactly>. quadrant
1: <laughs> i also read something that he based uh dr strange off of the still photographer on set who was like hungarian or something and he would just record he would come up and talk to him and record conversations with him and then base the accent off of that it's like that must have been awkward if a guy was working there
0: yeah, that's a uh, yeah. So we want to play this guy who's Nazi, and you're vaguely Eastern European. Your family was probably fine and not affected by Hitler at yeah. all, right? Hey, can I use you to play a Nazi? Yeah, that's uh that's a tough one. Yeah, but what are you gonna do? <laughs> it's Peter Sellers. <laughs> so yeah, so in my head, all of this still took place in Washington D.C. because I mean, we still need to have the president. Yeah, yeah,
1: no, no, it all t- still takes place in a bunker, like, I- and I think. I I was on the fence. Like, do you think it should be kind of the war games thing or the war room thing of, like, super intense, like, giant concrete war room? Or do you think it'd be funnier in a conference room?
0: Well, I... So, one of the things I think is incredibly impressive about the movie is that it takes place in three locations. I still think we should do that. Like, there's... Oh, yeah, yeah. There's the whole, can you have an entire movie that takes place of phone calls? Sure. But, like, also, I... I think that works. Like, I... Yeah. I For th- this purpose, it's like seeing what's happening and seeing people's reactions in real time. It's a real-time movie, and we're stuck here. And I yeah. think the War Room in Washington, D.C. is one of the locations. I think a nuclear sub is a great second location. So I think we get to figure out the third one. And the third one, I think, should also be an army base. It can be South Korea. I i'm willing for it to go either way because i think it's an army base it can basically yeah be oh yeah yeah.
1: no that's what i was saying that south korea the army base is more just the fact of like it still looks like an. Amer- like um i grew up in japan and a huge thing there is that they don't really have ja- they have japanese military bases but a lot of it's american military bases and when you're on them it's basically america and it's weird i've seen that um, i've seen that episode
0: of uh, simpsons i know how it works
1: yeah, it's exactly. Yeah. So you know what age is like. Yeah. But
0: I, of course, I, this Simpsons episode I'm um, referencing is uh, the one that takes place in Australia with the American Embassy in Australia. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And I think having it, because I'm sure that will go over really well. But I think, and especially when we talk about like the filmmakers we would want to make this, it is also a good it's a good commentary on America kind of dealing with this very American story, but in someone else's backyard. And it's like, "Eh, this is, this doesn't involve you. It's like, it kind of involves us. You're playing with nukes on our peninsula, or you're kind of playing with nukes like 20 miles away from us.
0: I also like the idea, especially if the army base is someplace other than American soil in that whoever political party is in power at the time would be like, Oh, like this sort of thing could have slowly been happening until finally it like breaks through, but they weren't paying attention because it wasn't happening in America
1: exactly yeah
0: which a whole separate conversation we could have is how uh people refer to the united states as america despite the fact that there are a north there's a north america and a south america and not all of that is just the united states but that's a separate (laughs) conversation and there's a genuine movement in south america to get people to stop referring to the united states as america but we don't listen because america hey they want to fight us for it let's go (laughs) basically <laughs> and i don't know why we don't take them up on it america loves fighting in south america i
1: know for freedom uh
0: yeah um <laughs> so yeah i think the idea of having uh the names in this movie are ridiculous.
1: Oh uh, my God. The names can't change yeah. the names or the Korean, the Korean names would have to change, but all the American names, if they kept them the same and just had to say it with a straight face, we
0: may have to change the president's name, but we'll get to that later.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, the president's name. I don't know how well that would hold up, but
0: uh, poorly. Yeah. But I was going to say um, Mandrake, which also is a name might change because I don't think that dude's going to be English. I don't think that dude's going to be an, a caricature of an Englishman. And and, yeah, and it, Jack Ripper can be someplace other than the United States, and I think putting them in South Korea makes sense.
1: What, yeah, Jack D. Ripper,
0: and in fact, it's subtle. Yeah, we have the idea of the uh, the the ambassador, and in our case, it's going to be a North Korean ambassador. But there's no reason why this person, this this Jack Ripper, this crazy QAnon conspiracy theorist, doesn't just launch a nuclear attack against all of the perceived enemies.
1: Yeah, like, and it could use the excuse of it. I do think it's weird, because right now there's not like a very, and that's why I was thinking North Korea is kind of a good one of like, we have very few cardboard cutout villains. Yeah, in, or, and I'm saying that, like, we think of it, obviously, they're not Korean. <laughs> I do not say that the North Koreans are cardboard cutout enemies, but it's very like clear in a lot of people's minds. It's like North Korea is bad. The end.
0: Yeah. That basically in the same way that a lot of people are like, Iran is bad. The end. And it's like, that's not
1: yeah. true. And I think Iran's like kind of the second one. And we were talking about like, if it could be Iran and it could
0: it, like, um, I think there's a lot of, we got, there are a lot of people got, who are like just racist against Muslim in that whole area of the world. Yeah. Also. People are racist against anything that's not the United States. Cause go imperialism. But like the honest truth is that like, Iran like if we let the Iranian people like reclaim their country and we didn't keep attacking it, I Iran was like a lot more progressive of a country and was like doing really well until the United States came in and shut all that shit down and basically installed the Ayatollahs and then ten years later they were the enemies. Oh no, no, no,
1: we didn't install the Ayatollahs. We installed end- the Shahs. Yes, yeah. excuse me. But um, but the thing, other thing with Iran is that we kind of. Did that last year with the Sol- uh with mm-hmm. the Sol-Mani, uh assassination with drones? Is that like that basically should have kicked off World War Three, and it didn't
0: because the Iranians we are more level headed than we are.
1: <laughs> the only reason we're doing this is we don't want this movie to sink the Iran nuclear talks.
0: Yeah, I... that's it.
1: <laughs> Meanwhile, the... North Korea—it's like they're not. Yeah, we're, we're. It's going to be the same.
0: It's. Because this is like cause everything's so complicated and political, and obviously we're making a movie that simplifies it and has people speaking out of like racist uh, caricatures of who they believe a quote unquote enemy is, and we have to do that because that's the movie, and also we don't want to do that because that's not reality and that's not like how people work, and yet so North Korea, huh? Yeah,
1: <laughs> and be- a lot simpler.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, they because they're the easiest. It
1: remi- it reminds me of um, when they made that Red Dawn movie a while ago. Yeah. That remake. And it was originally China. Because, like, yeah, China's the bad guys. China takes over America. China's the new Russia. But then they found out, like, we can't do that because we rely a lot on China. All of
0: our money is... All of our money's in China. Yeah. And
1: so they had to CGI all the things to be North Korean. Which is like, yeah, that makes sense. North Korea would be able to take over America.
0: Right. But,
1: um, and I forgot they, like, replaced, since the actors that were playing them were Chinese and they were speaking uh, Mandarin to each other, they had to redub a lot of stuff that doesn't match. And, like, it's just weird. Not replace the actors, though, because. Yeah. Why would you? So we're just learning that lesson the fast way and just sounds like, eh, hey, North Korea.
0: Yeah. we but I, th- I think we can use North Korea as, like, the as the quote-unquote scapegoat. But, like, really, this uh, crazy QAnon person can be launching an attack against all of his perceived yeah. enemies of America. Sure. Yeah. And uh, so, of course, I feel like we can also learn that one of the bombs will be coming towards Los Angeles.
1: Oh, that he's firing? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I, I can imagine that.
0: Because, uh... And we can. Yeah. I, like honestly, I I think that that like will will be what I think we should do instead of there being a country with like a crazy doomsday bomb scenario, is like we spend the entire time focused on this one ship with uh, King Kong on it, but really we find out that there have been all these others going at the same time.
1: We also need to explain that when we say King Kong, it's because the pilot's name is something kong but major, his nickname's king
0: major kong nicknamed king
1: yeah so they make that super easy for us no i agree i do think it's what, the, makes, it's the, what
0: makes talking about this movie now relevant yeah
1: comes <laughs> out just in time i i do want to keep the doomsday device thing in there okay because it seems like an insane thing that um one is like this is what the cold war was kind of leading up to but it takes away a lot of like human element which i love or it, or it's the most like human non-human element if it makes sense i love the speech where like the russian ambassador is explaining what the doomsday device is because in the movie they they the reason why no one can really stop this thing is that if a bomb goes off there's a machine that will destroy the world and no one can stop it and i love the dr strange speech where it's like actually it's a genius idea we should have done that a while ago uh-huh. but <laughs> yeah, um,
0: and, and then he says the line but the whole purpose of having such a machine <laughs> is that it's to prevent exactly scenarios like this from happening and then the because and they're supposed to tell
1: people it's like yeah we're going to tell you next week like literally
0: we have a big fancy press conference <laughs> announced for monday you missed it i can by imagine, a weekend. I, can imagine
1: north, I can imagine north korea doing that
0: i a hundred, i can imagine every country doing that yeah like you have the thing and then you do a big news thing like you pick a slow news day and you make it the story yeah all right cool so that's kind of our three locations Our people stay mostly the same. What other pieces from the original movie do we need to keep?
1: You would need to keep that. You need to keep, I mean, obviously the characters and everything. Um, It's funny because I'm thinking like the military thing. Like it is easy. It's weird because like even before the internet, a lot of this takes, a lot of this really relies on communication breaking down.
0: Yeah. Like the
1: fact you can lock down a base and no one will find out about it. Yep. So it's like they cut off the Wi-Fi or someplace.
0: I mean, honestly, um, yeah, that would do it. Like, literally, he can walk into the office, lock the door, unplug the Wi-Fi, the entire base shuts down.
1: Yeah, and uh, and that's also what I was thinking about the submarine, too. It's like, it, you can, hypothetically, yeah. do it. But, um, yeah, I think the, that, yeah, the world just needs to end at the end of it. It ends with them releasing COVID. It's like, God damn it.
0: I mean, I think... I, I think nuclear annihilation is fine. I think we've learned that a pandemic. Oh yeah. A, the pandemic won't stop us.
1: That I think that is one of the weird things is that we had such an insane year last year that some of this movie almost doesn't seem insane enough.
0: It's so, Honestly fair.
1: Yeah. So I think that's why keeping the doomsday machine or like it, it has to be and I'll be all like.
0: Yeah. I I think, you know what? I agree with that. The other thing I would say is that the movie kind of has like staging locations um, like there's that first scene where we see Lionel Mandrake. There's the uh, the the like the room where uh, who's his face? General Buck Turgidson. What a terrible name is like sleeping with his secretary. I don't think we need either of those locations. I literally think it should just be three locations.
1: Yeah, I think um, there is although there is you know b roll footage of the attack and the um uh the people trying to fight it in the base. Which is kind of funny because it was one of the first times they filmed a war scene like that. And it's like a throwaway gag. But it's weird when you watch it now in context where it's like they kind of filmed like a Saving Private Ryan moment in the middle of this comedy. So obviously at the base, like, there's going to be like, you know, gunfights and stuff, which could have some humor there. But yeah, no, I definitely agree on that. Yeah, the secretary scene, the secretary scene is funny. I just don't know if it's necessary now.
0: If we do this, the Saving Private Ryan scene... What I think we would need to do for that is because it's literally two sets of American troops fighting each other. Yeah. What I think we need is if we're going to have those scenes, I think we need to have a quote unquote, the speech coming from a general or a lieutenant on either side. They give the same speech in- inspiring the same soldiers to attack each other.
1: Oh, yeah. And I'm, that's a, the one thing in this movie I kind of wish. I kind of wish that Buck and Ripper talked to each other at one point. Because it seems like they're both insane, but one just happens to be insane for us right now.
0: Yeah. Well, I think, I feel like they're both insane for America, but in different ways. Yeah. In the same way that there's like the crazy, there's the, there's the QAnon Trump supporter and then there's the gun nut Trump supporter. These are those two people. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I agree with you. But yeah, so like if we cut away from our three, like our two scenes, it's for the purposes of like a little mini five to 10 minute war movie when it's just both sides are saving Private Ryan and they give the same Independence Day speech.
1: Would you still use the um, Johnny goes marching on time every time you cut to the plane or some in this case?
0: Yes, because I think the score of this movie is such an important thing. And I'm literally planning on ending this podcast episode with We'll Meet Again. Oh, yeah. Because we have to. Yeah, Exactly and uh <laughs> i found this video on the internet that was ta- that was like played we'll meet again because basically the whole purpose of that song is that like we're going off to war we're going to die when we meet again it will be in heaven that is the yep. purpose of this song <laughs> and so then they also found a clip of i don't remember the name of the actress who was singing this song with the muppets yeah
1: well i mean when they served in vietnam
0: yeah yeah You know, all of those PTSD affected uh great gazoo stories. (laughs) Oh God, they're just firing RPGs. But like, uh, what? Who's his face? Uh, the 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 bird with the nose.
1: Oh, uh, Gonzo. Gonzo.
0: Yeah, with Gonzo just on the RPG flying towards. That's what
1: we should pitch. Is like we should just recast this with Muppets.
0: I mean, it's not a bad idea. It's not the worst thing to think about. We could do it. And of course, you'd think Kermit the Frog would be the president. No, 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 no. Colonel Frog, uh, Kermit the Frog would have to be Lionel Mandrake. Yeah. The president would have to be. No, 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 no. no double casting now.
1: <laughs> we could go down this road. That's like a tire, it's like a two episode podcast. Like, okay, this is the Muppet version. This is the human version.
0: The President would have to be Fozzie Bear. There, I said it. Yeah. Be- because uh uh uh, uh Buck Turgenson would have to be Sam the Eagle. Oh, true. But yes, you're right. We can't do that. It's too much. Anyway, here's the rest of them in Muppets. Um, Okay, cool. So then what else... So we've talked about what, like, the important things to do. We've kind of talked about what our changes need to be. What else is important for our version of this story? Because obviously getting people on the line, having phone calls is so much easier now, but we can kind of just skip that and just have phone calls to cell phones and all of that.
1: You can even have Zoom
0: meetings. That's true too. And that would require more casting that I did not do. But yeah, I mean... No, no. But no, you're absolutely right. And like we can have... You're right. No phone calls, Zoom meetings, video conferencing, and it's those video conferences will be made more interesting by whatever's going on in the background on the other side. Yeah, exactly. To the point of do we need to have the actual ambassador in the war room?
1: Yeah. I yeah, I was thinking you didn't, but then I think it's such a fun bit. I don't know. I, I think I can go either way.
0: I can go either but way, I, especially because like the idea of the general just attacking the ambassador, I think is an important part, and it's like, look how crazy this guy is. And the
1: uh, and the other fun thing in this movie is how the ambassador reacts to
0: everything. Yes, I is agree that with like,
1: that. especially there's one time where like Doctor Strangelove's talking where he's like kind of nodding it with him. It's like, yeah, this guy's right.
0: Yeah. Well, the other thing I would do is so in the movie there's this scene like like kind of the ambassador is like just this angry Russian guy, and oh man, look at this commie. I would just like make him kind of like a yeah I mean I'm doing my job I'm not I, I'm i not evil you think I'm evil but I'm not evil oh
1: yeah I have an idea on who to cast for
0: uh the ambassador all right well we'll when we get there we'll get there because yeah like I think that it's gonna be like a no that's the caricature you paint of us we're not actually that yeah oh my god I can't believe this is the assignment I have like one of those kind of guys Okay. Yeah. For that reason, it's important. And I think because uh, there's going to, I think there should be a moment where like power gets cut and they have to still have interactions and everything. Yeah.
1: And at this point, I think in 2021, people are sick of Zoom. (laughs) We can't have every single scene be on a meeting.
0: I mean, there's also that. (sighs) So sick of Zoom while I'm currently on a Zoom.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's the worst.
0: Yeah. This is no fun for anyone involved. Um, Okay, cool. Well, then in that case, let's talk casting. All right. Everybody has books on their shelves they've been meaning to read. I have 140. I'm Bailey, and this is a podcast where I attempt to finish my to-read list. With the help of my friend Toby. Hey. My brother Andrew. Hello. And my husband Dylan's the sound recordist. Hello. In every episode, we choose a book at random from our shelves and review it with facts about the author.
1: And I design a game at the end of each episode that somehow mixes our books together. And sometimes they do very badly at it. But it's always fun. Mm, yeah. So if you love to read or you've been
0: meaning to read more, you should tune in to the to-read list. Books, 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 books. So the order I have it in is the order that it was listed on IMDb. So I guess let's start with uh, Group Captain Lionel Mandrake, which will not be his actual name. Yeah. Who is the Englishman um, in the movie, but not in our version.
1: Yeah. So in my version, I made him South Korean. Okay. Uh, because South Koreans would work with American military. And I think it'd be funny because in Dr. Trangelo, he's kind of the voice. He is the only voice of reason. And it's weird. A British person telling American where it's like, hey, I think you're a little bit too crazy military wise. It's like, okay, England. But um, in this case, I used Randall Park.
0: Yeah, I can see that. Because
1: he is such a great, like, straight man against craziness. hmm and he, and he also played Kim, Jong, uh, Kim Jong-un in uh, the interview. But that yeah. doesn't help him out. Nope. But I think him reacting off of a crazy person and like he, he also has a meekness too. Because there's still, like, you know, Jason Bateman, like, I can react off of anything and like make it funny. But like the idea that he doesn't have a spine as well, that's another problem with Mandrake. That's true. Because he, he lets a lot of this go slide. And I can imagine Randall Park like playing that really well.
0: Yeah, that's fair. That's a that's a good casting. I kind of went in a similar vein in terms of like comedy, comedy uh, best friends, like the person who's there to be like a friend and support this whatever this dude's crazy thing is going, but also like maybe don't do this thing. And I also kind of wanted to avoid of doing the the caricature of someone else from another country. Um, So I did go with an American guy, and that's why I went with Don Cheadle who is yeah, someone can, who can do the comedy, can do the drama, and is very, very funny and played Captain Planet in the best possible way.
1: Yeah, but I can imagine Don Cheadle also reacted very fast. Like, he would not allow a lot of this slide. That's like, true. He'd be, fer- he'd be very fast to call people out on this.
0: Yeah, that, that's why I think you're probably right to go with Randall Park. Yeah, I think Randall Park's probably the right choice for this. Uh, which brings us to our uh, crazy QAnon guy. We didn't really talk about what's going on in the submarine, but it's like everything that happened in the regular one.
1: Yeah, right? like, yeah. You know, and, it, and I can talk more about like, how i would use my guy but i i i really liked the airplane scenes when we can't get previews to what's happening I'll, I'll yeah, yeah.
0: let's up. talk about uh, brigadier general jack d ripper yeah so you know it's jack funny, the ripper
1: it's funny because i kept thinking of like actors that can be very intense and crazy
0: mm-hmm.
1: so i went i went with lance riddick
0: I don't know who that is offhand
1: yeah you do know who he is if you saw godzilla because apparently he was in it although not for that long i thought it's like oh he is kind of relevant still he is in john wick he oh, is the yeah, yeah, yeah. he's the D. he's in the wire he plays the most no nonsense person ever however he is also on corporate and he does a lot of funnier dive die videos where he just gives insane speeches and he sounds so intense and scary because i think there's people that can give like crazy but like you just don't believe them but in this case like whenever he has a very slow speech and the way he gives speeches is so great and like if lance riddick became a q person i'd be very scared because he is very intimidating and persuasive yes and if you haven't seen if you haven't seen his performance in corporate it's so great because basically they let it's like basically imagine the Wire guy but instead of less morals he's a cutthroat ceo and he knows he's
0: crazy but he hides it so well the, the thing I know him from is, like, he's the concierge in all the John Wick movies. Yeah,
1: exactly. And it's funny because he, it sounds like he's doing an accent in the John Wick movies. I just can never nail it down. It's like, it's fancy. That's yeah. his accent.
0: Yeah, correct. Um, so my logic behind it is, I wanted someone who's intense and no-nonsense, but is very, very cap- uh, capable of being funny and is open to self-parody. Uh, so my guy is someone who's been in Better Call Saul and Mudbound, but also is in Community. Uh, and it's an actor named Jonathan Banks. Oh yeah, Jonathan Banks. And for this one, I kind of feel like it's important for the person who's ending the world to be a white guy.
1: Yeah, I was thinking of that too. I had uh, also Christopher Maloney and Michael Shannon yeah. on my list, but it was more just performance-wise. I love Lance Friedrich monologue reads. Sure. Yeah, no, no, I, I definitely agree. And I think having QAnon, Q people are are. It's not inherently white supremacist, but it's pretty much white supremacist. It's pretty much like. Is. Just because, like, of where it was from and everything. Mm-hmm. I do think it's funny because Jonathan Banks gives a less, like, deranged performance. But he gives more of a, like, he just believes it and there's no, like, yeah. yes or no with Well, it.
0: I want that full intensity, like, Jonathan Banks performance. And then he just says the craziest shit about not being able to let any, yeah. like, we have to protect our fluids.
1: Yeah. Or in this case, he, oh man, it's like, when you start talking about Q stuff about, like, Pizzagate Gate. You can just have him read, like, some of the Q drops and-, and just verbatim
0: and that's it. Genuinely, yeah. Like, that's what we can have him do. Like, that's kind of what I thought would be funny. So, yeah. Jonathan Banks. So then the next person we meet is Major Kong. nicknamed <laughs> King. Major King Kong. The-, the cowboy hat guy.
1: Yeah. It's funny because... When I was casting him, I originally just said, like, oh, yeah, it's Danny McBride. Easy. Next one. Um, because it's like you're looking for Southern trash. But then when you rewatch the movie again, you forget that, like, Kong's a good guy. Yeah. And, and like, you are actually cheering for his crew in his sections. Like, you want them to succeed, but then you have to remind yourself, like, wait, if they succeed, they destroy the world.
0: Right. Like, and, like we don't want a... him to win, but he's, he's generally favorable. And, he's, and he's, he's just doing his job. He's not questioning the job and shouldn't be doing the job. And there's the there's something he yeah. said about just following orders blindly. But generally, like he's like if they if they're calling this in, things must be so bad.
1: He just gets like an aweshocks performance. And the thing is, he's good at his job too. Surprisingly, even though he seems like a yokel, so that's why I had to go with another southern character or midwestern character that is deceptively good at their job and charming. And that's Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> I'd have Jesus. I'd have Ted Lasso in a nuclear submarine.
0: Oh man, that's a choice.
1: <laughs> because especially when he was doing like the metaphor, oh, I forgot what some of the metaphors he was using. I just remember when he's reading out the list of stuff, and it's like, uh, we have some water, some like sixteen pairs of prophylactics. Uh, I guess you could have a good weekend in Vegas with this. Yeah, like he's just so charming and stuff. It's like, yeah, it's not because when I was thinking Danny McBride, it's like, oh yeah, I know, it's like a like a fu America, like southern, like falling for this whole thing. But it's like I get that character the point of it is is it's the good part of america and the good part of america is going to destroy us
0: yeah i mean it's the it's the no nonsense get the job done kind of guy but with a with a positive attitude while he does it yeah it's someone who's like who sees the job in front of them without necessarily thinking about the wider implications yeah so i i kind of went with someone also and i know that both of our lists are going to be full of uh mostly a-list people and in this case i went with someone who's less well-known he is someone who's been in a variety of like fun comedy things and, and you look his, up his picture and you'll see some of like the screenshots from stuff he's been in and you're like, oh, this guy just seems fun. And I'm like, that's kind of the person you want for a role like this. He's also a large man. And especially considering that he's going to have to climb into a torpedo suit uh, tube to kick the door yeah. open, then get caught in the torpedo as he gets carried off into space. And then we see him in space, gazing up at the stars and being wowed by it, and then getting caught on the torpedo again mm-hmm. as the nuclear thing payload finally comes crashing down to Earth, which is the only way I assume we can do this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that tracks. I went with an actor who's been in People of Earth, Her, The Campaign. It's an actor named Luca Jones. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: I can't imagine him. I think the thing. it... Well, I think the one. That, it's weird because now that now we're on a nuclear summary, like how old is How old is Luca? He plays that is an
0: excellent question.
1: Thirties, right? Mm. I can't imagine him like cleaning up for it though. Yeah, yeah. Isn't he also on? Hold on, wait, Luca Jones know. is forty-five years old. Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's also yeah, and he's on um, Shrill, too, right? That's uh,
0: yeah, I think his, so. I think that's I was trying kind to of think about his big one.
1: Yeah, because like the slacker boyfriend kind of thing of like yeah, him yeah oh yeah, and if and if not Kong, like having him be on the ship,
0: right? Yeah, like he he he's someone who uh like taking that kind of the idea of the slacker boyfriend and someone who like who isn't the slacker boyfriend but like kind of still has that same mentality, yeah, of the other guy from the Odd Couple that's not Felix. Doesn't matter. Oscar. Thank you. You know, a real Oscar. Yeah. But an Oscar who gets shit done. Just one of the guys. And that's kind of like what, like, and that's kind of what I thought would be important. Cause he's like, Hey, we're all here. We're doing this job, but we're together. Yeah, exactly. And so that's why I thought Luca Jones would be fun. But yeah, both of those are good options though. Uh, I feel like I'd rather go with Luca Jones over uh, Ted Lasso. <laughs> Have you seen Ted Lasso? No, it's I it's literally the thing I need to watch next for a variety I know, of reasons. I, it it's such a good performance, oh my god. But like we're gonna have enough distracting like people that I'm like, mm, in this case, uh
1: let's what, go with Slim Lincoln Pickens Jones. is literally the most distracting what is like the second most distracting performance in this movie. Who's Slim Pickens? There's, Slim Pickens is the original guy, the guy that talks
0: like this. And there's I, a
1: funny story. No, that I meant um, like I
0: don't want people to be watching this and going that's Jason Sudeikis on a submarine. This is gonna be fun. Um, there's
1: some story that James Earl Jones thought that Slim Pickens was like a really good actor, but he was like a method actor, <laughs> and someone had to explain to him. It's like, no, he just talked. That's just him.
0: Yeah. At, whenever someone has like the the like the, the caricature, like the acts that people use whenever they're doing a caricature of a culture, you're just like, oh, buddy, no. I know no, that's, saying- I know that's who you really are, but I'm so sorry for everything yeah. that society has done and slim Pickens' character like that's
1: just him and it's funny because they originally tried to get like john wayne and i forgot like a long list of cowboy actors to do it and of course them all being cowboy actors thought they wouldn't work with these this commie kubrick uh and so they just told slim Pickens that this was a war movie and filmed it that way
0: (laughs) great (laughs) oh man poor guy yeah I, i mean that's a good way to get the job done all right cool so then let's move on to president merkin muffley Yeah. I don't know what name we're going to have for this character, but it's not that one. Yeah, it's fair. Especially because I gender swapped this one. Oh, okay.
1: Do do you want to go first with them for that?
0: Yeah, uh, you went first to the last one, so it's my turn anyway. So I want someone who... Because the president basically plays like just the straight man. It's like, oh man, all this crazy stuff's going on. While also being very personal. And also like, you can see the reaction in their face. And I want someone who's like a really good face actor. But also would be like, oh, I can't believe I have to deal with this again. Oh my god. Just like one of those. And so uh I went with someone who has been who is such a a versatile actor that they've been in Annabelle, Captain America Civil War, twelve years a slave. Uh I went with Alfred Woodard. Alfred Woodard? Uh, you know, for the president. Yeah. I, think I think she'd be a the- good president. Yeah.
1: No, I think that's the thing, is that I think she'd be a good president. I think a huge part of this character, and why he has a terrible name, is that he gets disrespected, like, a lot. Like, if if a—that's what I was thinking, like, like, the whole point—the reason why I think this movie would be, like, topical now is, like, what president could be, like, kind of pushed over really easily Mm -hmm. to let this happen? And, like—because Alfred Woodard would shut this down very (laughs) quickly— I, With the general and stuff, because I can't imagine her playing someone that gets.
0: That's a fair argument. Um, yeah, the, the the thing that I was going for is I was trying to think of like the sort of person that this sort of guy would just ignore, and I think it's like you you pick like the sort of like right wing person who's like yeah it's a, it's a lefty guy who doesn't understand what real combat's like. Like you can imagine a Trump general just bowling over Biden because Biden's a a, a pushover. Yeah, but I could also see them. Just being like, this is a woman, and war is a man's game. Yeah. And so oh that's yeah, no, no. Saying, I'm
1: not saying that people wouldn't wouldn't react to it that way. I'm saying more that like she would fight, ba- like
0: and like she she wouldn't get pushed over. She wouldn't get pushed over.
1: She would yeah. She back. would fight. She would fight back hard. I mean, that's why I chose. That's um, fair. For for my casting thing, it's almost like when I was watching the phone scene, and I was talking to Bailey about this too. There's a scene where. It's only one end of the phone line and he's awkwardly explaining to the Russian <laughs> and to the Russian premier that he accidentally started a nuclear war and please don't be mad. Um, but he's been yeah. really nice. Um, and that's why I chose Eugene Levy. Ooh, That's because bas- basically he for the past, like besides him being like, you know, the best straight man ever. He is also really good on the past. shits Creek of having to deal with like, you know, a crazy family and everything and he is still out of touch. He is not like you know representing us at all. We do not see ourselves in Eugene Levy. That's but true. he is still like the way he is so exasperated all the time, and especially like thinking of the phone call and thinking of like him being five steps behind and still realizing, oh, I still have to be in charge, uh, and nobody <laughs> listening to him.
0: That's true. That's that's a good choice, and it doesn't bother you by, by the fact that he's Canadian and can't legally be president. He could be naturalized. I don't know. I feel like to be president, you have to actually be born in the United States. Like that's a rule. (laughs) I know.
1: That's why Peter Sellers uh, had to be reborn in the America for this. That's exactly true.
0: Uh, I was born, reborn. And that's why I'm a Baptist. (laughs) Eugene Levy is good. The reason why it was important for me to have a woman here is because I cut the only other woman in this movie.
1: Yeah, I I added a woman to that. Or I added two more after this
0: okay then i'll tentatively pencil in eugene levy now but that means that you're likely going to get more later and i don't know how i feel about that
1: nah it's playing the game i think more the fact that like i also because i was thinking like oh you make it like a hillary clinton character if you wanted to but i felt bad too because it's like hillary clinton would also be able to handle this situation
0: and i think you're right and i think like I, I i think that that's a good argument of like a lot of the women who get to these positions of power get to these positions of power because they're Tough enough to fight back like against this constant stream of just masculine bullshit. I mean, I, to be fair, I,
1: masculine bullshit is what causes half this movie, if it, you think that, about yeah, it. Yeah, like, that's
0: true. Um, and that's probably why there's a good reason to have a, a male president, because a female president would be like, no, shut this down now. Yeah. Or, like, literally blow them out of the sky.
1: <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so that's why I have Cate Blanchett playing General Buck. No, I, I don't. I don't. I mean... I mean, she could. Look. She could. It's amazing. It's a good choice. <laughs> but. No. Um, um, is so he but, next?
0: Yeah. General Buck is next. Tell me who you have for General Buck. Okay.
1: So General Buck is really weird because about C. E. Scott's character. And like, there's so many actors that could easily do this. Like, this is basically like a Michael Keaton performance or an Alec Baldwin over the yeah. top performance. But one I wanted to see, and it sucks because like, he almost did it in uh last movie he did was Brad Pitt. The reason why is because I miss Brad Pitt when he was doing crazy roles or like sloppy roles, like in Snatch and 12 Monkeys. And now he's doing besides Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I am not a huge fan of, but War Machine and which I on paper, I should love War Machine. I read the book and everything and he is good as the general It's just not a good movie, but he nails something down about how generals have to be today and are still like kind of crazy people. Hmm. And I kind of wanted to combine all that performances he's done in *Glorious Bastards* and *War Machine* with the stuff he's done earlier, to be kind of a general that's too enthusiastic, or like a burn after reading. But he went to West Point. Interesting, because at the time, George C. Scott was a very famous A-list actor that this all happened to.
0: Yeah, you're not you're not wrong. That's an interesting take. Um, that's part of the reason behind who I had. Um, I have someone who is recognizable and he's like a known name but when I, I hear the name i think of like oh this actor but i can't necessarily picture his face so he's he i would definitely describe him as a list but not to like brad pitt level but like i was gonna say like i got brad pitt yeah no no, no not to, not to that level like a a <laughs> listed like his name super recognizable but for whatever reason i can't picture his face Um, but like, but he, he is an actor's actors. Like he, like he is able to like really dig in and get to the heart of characters, but he's also very capable of playing like the military guy because he was in training day. And he's also like part of the thing that I was looking for when I was trying to get this actors, I, I literally was looking for an actor from Texas. Oh, Um, Scott Glenn? No, but I went with someone who was in training day in boyhood and in the before sunrise trilogy. I went with Ethan Hawke. Yeah, no, I, I
1: had Ethan Hawke on my list, too. Yeah. Um, mainly because, have you seen The Good Lord Bird? No. If you see The Good Lord Bird, you'll be very satisfied with that pick. Okay. Because he also plays a insane zealot that I think there is an art for crazy people, for, for when you're playing, like, insane zealoty people, to kind of, like, they see past like even logic and everything because there's a lot of actors that play crazy where it's like look how wacky i'm being yeah and then there's some actors that are good actors that are like you know like ethan Hawke or brad pitt or like academy award oh man brad pitt has an academy award now academy award winning <laughs> actors where they play characters that you see them believing it like all the way did brad pitt and- not
0: previously have an academy award no he didn't really? or no
1: oh. he had a bunch for producing actually so yeah. every time it's like academy award winner brad pitt kind of I think they're they're very similar takes of, like, I know Ethan Hawke can do crazy now, thanks to Good Lord Bird, and I know Brad Pitt can do, like, Southern Military General, so either way, I'm...
0: Yeah, let's go with Ethan Hawke, then, because you've already hinted that you're going to be getting more. I'm metagaming.
1: Well, here's the thing. If he can grow a huge beard out like Good Lord Bird, that even makes it better.
0: I mean, all the pictures of him that I found uh, was him with a big beard, but of course, if he's playing a general, he has to shave it uh so the next uh person i have on my list is russian ambassador alexei desideski which obviously won't be his name no. uh but we both cast korean actors for this uh yes you went first for the last one so i'll go first for this one um i found a korean actor who i c- kind of fun but also can kind of be tough and kind of walk that line between them he was on train to and he's going to be in the eternals uh i'm going to i meant to look this up and now i'm going to butcher his name it was Ma Dong Siok.
1: Ma Dong Siok? Yeah.
0: Wait, uh, oh, the the second guy. Okay, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, uh, yeah,
1: that's right. And Train to Busan is dope.
0: Yeah. And so that's why I thought he would be a good person for this role. But... Yeah. I, he's a little bit more of a one-for-one one than I think the kind of person that we ended up with. But, like, uh, I, like, where we ended in terms of, like, story. But I still think he's a good choice.
1: Oh, yeah, no, no. And I think he plays, like kind of like you're saying like you want somebody that doesn't the because like the whole idea of like the big scary
0: drunk russian yeah idea for it it's kind of like yeah i mean that's not great we we want someone who like literally can walk in and be intimidating and then opens his mouth is like so guys what uh what's going on why'd you wake me up for this
1: yeah exactly um cool uh here hold on let me get out of the train to the train to pass on imdb page um (laughs) It was funny because I was trying to think of. I knew I wanted a woman ambassador for this because I don't know if you've seen Kim Jong Un. So Kim Jong Un might be dead. I think he's actually not. I think he's alive again. Alive again? Yeah, I'm. I need to. There needs to be. There needs to be a website like Is Kim Jong Un dead? Yeah, but we
0: won't know the answer. And because the best, and the best thing <laughs> they put you on a list. Well, no. With, the, the, uh, one of the things that the, the North Koreans have proven them be, themselves to be really good at is hacking. So the only website will just be like, yes, stop asking, no matter what the answer is. There was the big news story a few months ago about how Kim Jong-un was dead and his sister had taken over.
1: So his sister is apparently also crazy. Well, and yeah, like their whole family's crazy. Their her whole family's crazy, and she, and she apparently is also very like, sadistic, and like they're really worried about her taking over. So it's like, yeah, it definitely needs to be a North Korean woman that buys all this and everything. So I started looking through Parasite, which... I love, and I'm going to be talking about more. You'll see why. <laughs> um, because all three lead actresses in that are so great in such really different performances. Right. Of like, super naive, super conniving and evil. But I went with my third choice, or, or the, not the third choice. I went with the option I think that fits the best is Jang He Jin. Okay. She plays the mom of the fake family of the family that's the family of criminals. Okay. She plays the mom that does like shot put and everything. And she has some of the best reaction shots in that movie of she's one of the few people that gets to do the are you seeing this look. And like (laughs) she is so intimidating in it. And I love how when she has to be because in the in the movie Parasite, they all have to pretend to be servants. And you can tell it kills her the most. Cause you can tell she is like very independent and she has to be on her best behavior here. So I was thinking like a character that <laughs> she's in the war room. And it's like, yes, I have to, even though I am a very high ranking officer in the communist party in North Korea, I have to be in the room with all these idiots talking and everything. And she is very close to snapping
0: a lot of the time. Yeah. Someone who's very conscious of the fact that they're the smartest person in the room and can't let anyone know that they're the smartest person in the room. Yeah. All right, cool. That, that works for me. I'm sold. Jang Heejin. Jin. Yep, great. That is not how it's listed on IMDb Pro because IMDb Pro just assumes a Western name organization. It,
1: yeah, it is hard to because I wonder who's going to win out in the end in the Wikipedia IMDb Pro wars.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a conundrum. I mean, you have yeah. to pay. You have to pay for IMDb Pro. So yeah, hard to say. All right. So then, <laughs> when I was putting together my list, I made it all the way to the end of the list and realized I'd forgotten to cast Doctor Strangelove. Yeah, <laughs> and. I was like, "Oh right, the title character," because he like doesn't do all that much. And I guess I'll put this information now. The reason why I cut the only woman in this movie is Miss Scott, which who is uh, General Buck uh, uh secretary, who he's sleeping with. And when I was thinking about the character of Miss Scott, I was tempted to do like a gender swap of the character and like, oh, secret uh, homosexual affair, but like. All those things have been done already to varying levels of success. And I ended up deciding to cut her because whatever someone does consensually in their private life, as far as I'm concerned, really has no bearing on the sort of actions they take publicly. I I don't care. And I don't think it's important to, to, yeah. to an extent. And I don't think we should base our opinions of a character on what they're doing in their private life.
1: And I think she has, I think she's there for a really good bit. Which is yeah. that, like the the? It's basically just like the mistress has to say like this top secret, crazy information while acting bored,
0: right? Which I get, so and it's funny, you could, but I yeah. think I think it cheapens the movie.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where it's like the first to do it gets a little bit of a way with it. Sure. That's fair. And I think that this is a very weird movie to talk about masculinity and chauvinism. Cause I think the whole movie is to show how the fact that, cause even like the scene that happens right afterwards, the general weirdly talking about like with nuclear arms terms where it's like, yeah, you just prepare yourself for ignition, baby. And I'll be back before you can count to 10. It shows how like they're treating this. So. Blase because they're men. Fair. So, so uh, you, you do need to keep a lot of that theme going through it. It's like, it's because all these weird, aggressive men are in charge, this is happening.
0: Right. And I, and I think that that's true. And we can see that from their actions while they're in charge. Yeah. I don't think we need to know that this guy's having an affair. I mean, let's say it's not even an affair. Let's fa- Let's say they're just dating then there's no, like, it, like, <gasps> not, a nice relationship. we never once mentioned that, like, oh no, of course I'm not going back to my wife. As far as I'm concerned in this movie, they're just dating. Yeah. He's dating a secretary, which isn't inherently bad unless he's cheating on someone else with her. Yeah. And so that's fine. He can date a secretary, whatever, as long as they're both into it. Great. Go for it. Yeah.
1: And, and it's funny. Cause you think it's like, yeah. And also it's not that relevant anymore. And then you realize that general Petraeus, one of the most famous generals that was probably going to be president, that was in charge of like you know the war on terror and everything got brought down because of a sex scandal and it's like,
0: pfft. yeah, well that's not happening anymore. Yeah, well, it depends which side. One hundred percent, it depends which side. Like literally, like there will be a sex scandal or or what was the uh, the 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 California not California necessarily the the representative who like slept with one of her campaigners and then her ex-husband released a bunch of like revenge porn and she had to step down oh yeah and like she stepped down as and then meanwhile all of these like republican congress people are like being outed as pedophiles and they're keeping their jobs and it's like it literally is which side are you on? oh you have a sex scandal that's how we'll decide and it's so messed up and and like i said as long as it's consensual it doesn't matter if you're a pedophile, it fucking matters. Yeah. So yeah, like, I, that's why I think that, like, unless we're going to show off the hypocrisy, I don't think it has a place here. And I feel like if we have a conversation about that, it might be distracting from the fact that the world's ending. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's why I cut that character. So the only other role I have left is Dr. Strangelove. Yep. I went first for the last one, so you're up.
1: Okay, um... Well, really fast. I, I, So the person I, I... Did you think of a person that could do the triple casting if you did have to do it? Yeah, it's my person for Dr. Strangelove. Ooh. Okay, yeah, because I, I was kind of in the same boat where it's like, he could do any of these roles, he probably could do it, but I had Sasha Baron Cohen originally. Ooh, Because like at least he can make a unique character for this, which would be kind of worth it. Yeah. But then I tried to think of like, if we're taking it off the triple casting, so you don't have to worry about someone that can believably play like a bunch of different people. Mm-hmm um i went with tilda swinton um
0: fair and this will
1: will also come back later but i also love how she did she's done did you see suspiria it's a horror movie but did you see suspiria the new one no they just randomly have her play like an 80 year old german man on top of everything else just because like she can and i think she's she's one weird convincing and everything but i also love how like she does she does such a good job of making the tilda swinton planet Like, when I was talking about characters that are like, can see beyond it, then there's some actors that can play characters that live on their own little world. Yeah. And especially with the director I'm choosing, I would trust them to come up. With like a really good Because I think the problem with Dr. Strangelove That you would fall into Is you would bring in another actor That just does a really over the top German accent Or like tries to play that same part And it's like it has to be something It's hard to cast this because it's like They have to do something we haven't seen before
0: yes I agree. And the other
1: the other problem is too Is that there were a lot of Nazis running around in 1960 That worked for the American government And that would be in that war room So it's not that unbelievable But right now mm-hmm. the worst we would have are like Defected Russians or mm-hmm. Eastern Bloc people Might be Dr. Strangelove love but it's it's less you can kind of play with that very easy imagery so yes i'll go with
0: other academy award winner to tell us when i i think that's an excellent choice and i love your logic behind it i also had the same thought of like yeah it'd be a lot more likely to have a former nazi scientist working for the government in the 60s than it would be now and i seriously consider just having my dr strange love be a brain in a jar with robo- yeah. robotic arms
1: yeah
0: and just like Half of it's doing Nazi shit, half of it's doing science shit. Um, and I I thought that, that would be kind of funny, but I'm like, mm, that might break the world a little bit. So what I ended up going with was I went with a, uh, a sketch actor who is known for being able to play a wide variety of characters. And I went for a little bit more representation in ways that we did not otherwise have in uh, the movie thus far. And someone who I think is sensitive to these kinds of topics because, like uh, the, the the sketch stuff he's done has been conscious of like race relations. And I didn't know where I wanted Doctor Strangelove to be from, but I kind of wanted it to be ambiguous, mad scientist, like could be from anywhere. Yeah, and it's like we'd rather have the guy working for us than against us.
1: Yeah. So I went with an a- so well, I think I kind of mentioned. Oh, sorry. No, please. I think I kind of mentioned before too that like one of the best parts of him is that all the other since he's he's works for the Americans, but he's not American. Right. So in the room when he's talking crazy talk, like he's it's him versus everyone else in the room, including Alexei, the Russian interpreter, and it's like yeah. they're all like kind of staring at him weirdly.
0: Yeah. So I kind of wanted um, that, like, kind like kind of the uh, the Tim Robinson. We all want to find the guy who did this kind of thing. Yeah. when he's just in the hot dog. So I went with an actor named Arturo Castro, who, um, uh, his sketch show was called Alternatino. Oh, yeah. And he, he is capable of playing a wide variety of character. Yeah. Uh, he was on Broad City, he was in Bushwick. And I just thought his take on a Dr. Strangelove, mad scientist kind of character would be different than what we've seen before. Yeah. In the same way that he wouldn't just try and, he wouldn't just be trying to play the Doctor Strange love we've previously seen. Yeah. And that's why I'm, I kind of wanted to go with him.
1: And I don't know if you've seen Narcos. He's weird and it's weird because he pops up in Narcos. Does as, he?
0: Who as, is he in Narcos?
1: He's like the son of one of the drug dealers. And it's it, it, you can't see Alternatino and then watch that because it's so weird. And it's <laughs> kind of like you were saying that like if you have like the Jason Sedekis character where it's like, wait, what? Although, to be fair, this is a comedy. Narcos is not a comedy, but he yeah. plays a very weird, sadistic guy in it.
0: Yeah. Interesting. I'm down. Let's do that. So that's why I thought Arturo Castro would be a little bit fun and get, and again, make it even slightly less white. So.
1: I mean, I don't know if you know this, but Tilda Swin plays an Asian person in Doctor Strange, so that
0: counts. No, she does not. Nah. She plays a Scottish person. <laughs> yeah. How dare you? Uh, yeah. Uh, Like, there's a whole thing about it. Yeah. But Yeah. Scottish Highlands, uh, which she is also not, but that's not the point. So, yeah, so for that one, I'd say let's go with uh, Arturo Castro, which brings us to writer and director.
1: Okay, this is like one of the easier lay-well, I don't know if it's a layup, but like-
0: If you're going who I think you're going, it's a layup.
1: Armando Iannucci? Yeah. Yeah. We both have the
0: same guy. It's He's done, in the loop, the Death of Stalin, Veep. He is the person to go to for grounded political satire.
1: Yeah, and especially I think Death of Stalin is the closest thing we'll get to Dr. Strangelove now. I completely agree. Of, like, no one in the room is wacky, per se. It's just the situation is weird Correct. and terrible.
0: Y- yeah. Like, it, I, I did some digging, but it, it's just, like, every time you find something else that might count, it's Armando Iannucci.
1: Yeah, I think the only i mean you could i you could say adam mckay maybe but i think adam mckay has has a lot of misses too especially with like vice and everything and christopher morris is was the other one i was thinking of he did four lions which is also another similar thing okay uh if you haven't seen four lions it's a comedy about a suicide about suicide bombers in london
0: <laughs> amazing um uh, uh,
1: but yeah, no, I, I, and they, and he worked with Armando Iannucci, so it, yeah, it does all tie yeah, back together. Yeah,
0: it, it all comes back together. Like the only person who can do this is Armando yep. Iannucci, and even if we didn't get Armando Iannucci, it would. We end get being, someone
1: that worked with them. Yeah, like
0: it, it, it's one of those things where it's, it's the, it, it's the, um, good omens joke about no matter how long you leave a tape in a car, eventually it turns into Queen. Yeah. It would eventually become Armando Iannucci. And In the Loop,
1: too, is also basically this movie of like a slow motion, the world's ending kind of thing.
0: Yeah. This is the, like, if, like, Dr. like Armando Iannucci has been wanting to make Dr. Strangelove his entire career. Let's just yeah. let him do it.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Good. We're on the same page. So that brings us to director. I'm going to tell mine because I think mine might be a little bit straight down the line and I think you're going to have a more interesting choice. So I'm okay. going to let you go second. So I wanted to go with someone who has. A history of being able to really work with a variety of weird characters to come together to figure out an issue and then all the rich people turn on the poor people because it's their fault and they deserve to die. Yeah. Ryan Johnson. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. And I mean, I think he's very... It's weird because the reason why you can't put Armando Iannucci in the director's chair too is that Dr. Strangelove also has a lot of stark visuals. Like, it plays a lot with mm. it being over the top entirely. And... ryan johnson definitely is in terms of like you know cinematography and like Mm -hmm. his
0: crazy way of doing it yeah yeah he he creates he creates a good visual story and that's part of what that's and that's part of why i didn't want ryan johnson to be the writer like because i briefly considered having him be my writer and director but i'm like you gotta get someone else i wouldn't i i love
1: most ryan johnson movies i have some problems with looper but like i think he is a very good writer but i think he is like a very like Swiss watch type of writer where it's like everything has to be perfectly in place and it it doesn't allow for a lot of like the sloppiness in this that kind of makes it
0: yeah but yeah in
1: terms of like being able to control it yeah
0: I think he's able to let actors play but I don't know if he's as good at writing let actors play yeah exactly
1: and so for mine yeah I was thinking like who could it's like hey who can line up with uh, Kubrick to do this kind of stuff in terms of to be able to do comedy but also really have a visual style that, in this case, one of the huge things I love about him is, like, his set pieces are amazing. And the way he directs, like, Rising Tension, I went... And also, it doesn't hurt the fact that he's also from the continent. Or from the... or It doesn't hurt the fact that he's also from the peninsula. So I chose Bong Joon-ho. I thought you might. Because, yeah. Because well, I was hinting with using Parasite and Tell Swinton, When. Where it's like, yeah. yeah, you just give him Tell Us When, they'll come up with a fun wig. I think he is such a good director in terms of one having comedy because there's a lot of like really good Korean directors that have like really good visual panache mm-hmm. but he just he's one of the very few directors that can do visual comedy in That's terms true. of like a scene blocking or like there there's a scene in Parasite where the family's coming home and they're going to be in the house in like 20 they say it's kind of like we were talking about earlier they say it's like they're going to be in the house in 30 seconds and so everyone's running around and doing it uh-huh. Right. <laughs> Including our ambassador Jang He Jin kicking somebody down a staircase, and it's timed so perfectly that it's like such a fun sequence, and I would really want to see what he could do with this.
0: I feel like the actual the closer slam dunk to get us to do uh Jun Ho is Snowpiercer. Oh yeah. Because he already has a take of like this is one visual way the world can end, and this is kind of a representation yeah. of the end of the world. Let's talk about the moment that leads to that, and I feel like he'd have a lot of fun with that as, as well. Yeah, he'd be able to
1: do this and then the sequel when we're all star- starving in trains. But I think, yeah, and in that case too, like him, his action scenes are so nuts. This would definitely be a little more fun, and I think he could also bring something different because we we're talking about the Saving Private Ryan saying that there is some violence in this movie. he yeah. would be able to he'd be able to one up Kubrick in there.
0: He would, and he would be be able to keep it a little bit more. Grounded and avoid it being like the uh like a marvel slugfest i don't think has any place oh in yeah movie. no
1: and i think he is also he he does a lot of really good korean satire and the host is kind of about america and korea so like we're already pretty close
0: yeah uh yeah. so
1: i think he would love doing like a political like movie about
0: it agreed cool fun i think that's our cast uh let me take you through what we got okay Dr. Strangelove, 2021. Group Captain Lionel Mandrake, or whatever his name will be, is going to be Randall Park. Uh, Brigadier General Jack D. Ripper is Jonathan Banks. Uh, Major King Kong is going to be Luca Jones. President Merkin Muffley, who's got to have a different name, uh, will be Eugene Levy. Uh, General Buck Turgidson is Ethan Hawke. Korean Ambassador something will be uh, Jang Hee Jin. Dr. Strangelove will be played by Arturo Castro. All of this will be written by Armando Iannucci and then directed by Bong Bong Joon-ho. And that will be our movie. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, Dylan, you going to go see this movie? Oh, yeah, totally.
1: I'm sure it'll be still relevant no matter what year it's in. Accurate. Oh, God.
0: (laughs) All right, cool. Well, we did it. Thank you so much for being on my uh, show. So now's the time to talk about plugs. So talk about a podcast that you happen to produce and anything else you want people to to pay attention to.
1: Yep, listen to uh, the to-read list, first off and last off. It is great. The hosts are great. I am great on it, editing it, and producing it, and I sporadically come in and win games sometimes.
0: Yeah, you're basically a ringer. If you're in the game, we know who's gonna win.
1: Well, it's because they do weird improv v games where it's like, oh yeah, no, this is basically improv games, but then everything else, like, I'll be playing it in the background. It's like, oh my god, thank god I don't have to do this. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh no memory uh, games i'm out yeah
1: um and sadly rip i know last time i was here plugging the hatchery but the hatchery closed down
0: i know i'm sorry about that yeah do you have uh do you have some social media you'd like people to follow
1: uh yes at MW on twitter and uh instagram
0: cool fun All right. If you're interested in following me, I am at Sam Gash, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H on Twitter, or you can follow the podcast, which is Ideal Remake on Instagram and also Twitter, or you can join us on Facebook, uh, Ideal Remake or Ideal Remake Podcast. But the best thing you can do for my podcast, for Dylan's podcast, or any podcast would be to go and leave us a five-star review. It's the best thing you can do. I know every podcast talks about it and they say, leave us a review, but no, I'm going to do one better and say, go on and leave reviews for all your favorite podcasts.
1: The fate of the world depends on it.
0: Accurate. Because who, who knows when it'll be, where we're two hours away from death and, don't you, want, and you don't want to be sitting there regretting that you didn't say something nice about a piece of media that you enjoyed. Um, cool. So Dylan, we'll end with this. What is your favorite quote from the movie Dr. Strangelove?
1: It might have to be the Coca-Cola line, I think. Just because, like, everyone gets a cool zinger, except there's one guard, and then they're about to shoot, uh, the guy needs a quarter for, to call the president in 30 seconds, and so he demands sh- he, uh, to shoot a vending machine, and he says, like, okay, I'll do it, but you'll have to answer to Coca-Cola when this is all done.
0: Yeah, that's a great line. All right, Dylan. What's yours? That's it. Uh, I don't have one, so I'll just say, uh, hey, we'll meet again.
1: <laughs>
0: cool. Stay Good. safe
1: and uh, guard your fluids. walk. <laughs>